0: Today we're going to take you into an area that is so exhaustive and complex and overwhelming and mind-boggling that it was a challenge to bring it down into a context of what we're doing in our series of Lifeblood because we're going to be talking about faith. This is not a faith of producing miracles. It's not about a faith of healing. not about a faith of deliverance and we believe in that. That's a strong belief system that we have. But today we're going to be talking about a faith that brings us closer to Jesus, a faith that as a follower of Christ that we are going to learn how to build that faith and develop that faith and, and I have to say, a few weeks ago I preached a message and, and it's it stuck with me then and it's still with me today, that, that I, I have a sense that there's a lot of, a lot of folk in our uh, audience this morning that is still struggling with inherited beliefs, your faith system, your belief system. And we're going to be using faith and we're going to be using belief interchangeably and we're going to be using God and Jesus interchangeably and, and, and it's all pertaining to the same Godhead, the, the, the Trinity. But um, I think this morning what I want to do is I want us to leave here with a little bit of clarity about faith because the Scripture says that every one of us has been given a measure of faith. It's similar to when you were born, you and I, we were born with a muscle in our arm, and muscle, in our leg, and every one of us was born with a muscle. How we develop that and how we build that and how we exercise that throughout our life determines really how strong we become. If you never exercise or work or do anything to strengthen that, that arm muscle, then you can be in your late years and that muscle really be no, not much stronger than what it was in your early years. So it's about building an element of faith in our life because we understand with the Lifeblood series, Pastor started last Sunday talking on on the heart and talking about love because we only have three things we're dealing with, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. So Pastor started our series talking about love. I'm coming in today and talking about faith, and Pastor Jason's going to follow me on hope, and Pastor's going to wrap this whole thing back up again on love, but the best way that I can give you, because what I'm wanting to do is to give you a picture that you can relate to while we talk about something we've never seen. And in this Lifeblood series, I, I'm not a medical student, I don't understand most of this and I only pulled out enough information that I could share with you that didn't make me sound like I didn't know what I was talking about. So. Has to begin with the heart and we understand the heart and the heart is, is, it is a very integral part of our bodies and it pumps this blood throughout our body. In fact, they tell us it pumps about 1900 gallons a day through our body. It just, it's just continually going, 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 going. There are times if you've had, um, if you've had yearly physicals, there's times if you've had difficulties with your, with your physical uh, w- within your body. You will go and they will do something simply called, we need to take your blood pressure or we need to take your pulse. And we know that there are several places on our body that we can actually take the pulse. But the interesting thing is, the best pulse reading we get is when those arteries are pressed against something hard and we get a pulse reading and when they read your pulse, it determines Basically, how your heart is pumping. It determines if 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 there's a slowness, if there's an obstruction, if there's something that's impeding that blood flow, and, and it helps them to determine that. That also that blood flow or that pulse is can be affected by things such as body size, body position, medication, even air temperature, can affect sometimes the reading of the pulse. But when you put Your hand and take that pulse, it gives you a sense and a feel of what's happening within your body. Oftentimes in staff meetings, we'll talk about are we a healthy church? Are we a healthy church? Are we a do we have some areas that are not quite so healthy? And as we talk about this, we, basically what we're doing is we're taking the pulse of the church and we say, well, over here, this here, it, it's not flowing very fast here. And, and here it's just 1,900 gallons a day and things are great. And that part is, is doing fantastic. And we come to a part over here and we say, yeah, but it's, kind of, it's impeded, it's blocked. There's there's an obstruction there. What can we do to get that obstruction out so that that part of ministry can flow? So that's the picture that I want you to retain as I share with you and teach a little bit on this concept of faith. Now, there are some scriptures that I would like for us to look at, and there are two. Guys are going to put them on the screen this morning, and I want to start with this as the base of, of the scriptures. It's Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And then verse 6, and without faith, it is impossible, impossible, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek Him." Now I don't have a Arabic or Greek or Hebrew definitive word or, or portion for that. those words that say without faith it is impossible to please God. That's what it means. And we want to please God because when we please God, we are pleased. But the writer of Hebrews makes it very, very clear that without faith it's impossible to please God. Now I'm going to take you through some things here that I think will help us to catch a better understanding of this. Faith begins with knowing who and what we believe. Faith begins with knowing who and what we believe. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12, he says, this is why I am suffering as I am. Yet I am not ashamed because I know. And if you were circling words this morning, you would would circle words such as know and believe and impossible. And the Apostle Paul says, because I know who I have believed and I'm convinced that he's able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. Job said, I know my Redeemer lives. One of the things that we have to pose before us is this, and it's always a challenge, it's always a, a blessing when we have the opportunity to present the Word of God. But one of the things that I al- have always been aware of, when you take God's plans and put them in man's hands, sometimes the meaning and the significance and the impact get skipped. So. We always are praying that God help us to say and help us to do and help us to give information that's important, that's relevant, that's pertinent and what we can understand. But let me just go back here for a moment. The Apostle Paul and Job said, I know, I know, I know. And you're saying, but Pastor Don, we know. And probably if I took a poll in here and and I got in this hype mode and I said, you know, we believe that God is the creator of heaven and earth and we believe that all things are possible with God and we believe that that God can move mountains and, 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 and how many believe and we're on this emotional catalyst and our hands go up. I believe, I believe, I believe. And then I have to say, What do you believe? What do you believe? If you were pressed, if you were cornered, if you were put in the position to give us five things that you believe about the character of God, what do you believe? He said, I never thought about that. But you see, belief is important with faith. Because we we have to know who and what we believe in. And I remember uh, growing up as a kid in school, high school. uh, Don, you're going to the junior-senior prom? No. Why? Well, our church doesn't believe in dancing. Why? I don't know. They just don't believe in dancing. Or other things that would come up in my childhood. Or, hey, hey, do this. Hang out with this. We're going to do this. I said, no, I can't do that. Why? I always use the church as a scapegoat. Our church doesn't believe in it. Interestingly enough, as I got older and I began to ask some other people in the church, they didn't know either. It's just what we've always believed. It's kind of like the, the two friends sitting over coffee, and they start talking about religion and church, and the guy says, well, what, what do you believe? And he said, I believe what my church believes. Well, what does your church believe? Well, they believe what I believe. <laughs> my church and I believe the same, but we can't tell you what we believe. And friends, I guess this is the thing that, that, that is touching my heart today, We are living in tough times and things are not getting better. And it's so important that we understand what we believe in. Because if if we don't know what we believe in, somebody is going to come along and tell us what we believe. So we come to this concept of faith. It's running through our body, it's flowing through our body. It's important, faith, hope and love, faith, hope and love. And, and there's activity and there's action going on and we come to this place that faith always begins with who and what we believe. I'm not going to do this and, but I, I've got to tell you about it because I, I, I was a little apprehensive. I. Usually when something pops into my mind when I'm doing sermon prep, it's like, yeah, do that. But I couldn't tell if this was Christ or carnal, so I I thought i better leave it off. Do you remember years back about um, uh, the song Little Bit of Love, a little bit of Susie's All I Need, a little bit of Janie, a little bit, a little bit of, you know, anybody remember that song? Well, the comparison came to mind is that oftentimes in churches across America, we, we have a congregation that if we are living and we are raising and adhering to our inherited beliefs, that song would sound something like this, uh, a little bit of Baptist is all I need, uh, a little bit of Methodist to meet my need, a little bit of Pentecost to give me power, a little bit of Catholic to fill my hour. It, it's just, you know, and, and we, we, sit, we sit together. But, but honestly, and, and, and that, I didn't have that written in as humor, but honestly, <laughs> many of you are in the sound of my voice this morning that that's where you're at because I've, I was raised a little bit here and I was raised a little bit there and I was raised a little bit here and I was raised a little bit here. But what I'm saying to us this morning is this, let's wipe the slate clean and understand what we believe about God. That's where it starts. And that's where our faith starts. And that's where that faith begins to grow and that faith begins to develop. But it can only begin by knowing who and what we believe. And so in that category, we have knowledge. A man can only believe. A man cannot believe what he does not know. Our faith is a confident assurance that we are serving a God who loves us. We are serving a God who knows our thoughts. We are serving a God who cares about our needs. And our faith continues to grow as we learn the attributes of our amazing God. That's knowledge. Then, when we have knowledge in place, then we come into agreement. And agreement simply is when I open up this book, I am saying that I believe everything on this page. And I believe everything on this page. And even if I skip some chapters, I believe everything on this page. That's coming into agreement. That's accepting the Word of God as God's spoken Word. Whether it's the rhema or the logo, it's God's Word. And we come into agreement that if this is what God is saying, I'm going to believe it. Once we get past the agreement, then we come into the confidence. The confidence is knowing that God not only cares about us but He cares for us and that confidence is something that is put together with the knowledge and the agreement that gives us a good base for our faith that's running through our spiritual body. Now the best way, I guess, the only way I thought of explaining was this. In order to have confidence, picture this, you're on the sixth floor of an office building that's burning. Now you notice I put you there, I'm, I'm not there, <laughs> you're there. You're, you're on the sixth floor of an office building, smoke is filling the hallways, you can't get out of your office. The only way that you have is this window that escapes to the outside, but you're six floors up. And the sirens are coming and the fire truck is coming and finally they, they get this aerial platform and they start bringing that up to you and, and, and you know that it's strong and you know that it probably is going to save you. And it gets up to the window and the guy says, you're going to have to reach out and take a big step. In order to get on the platform so we can take you down and save you. But we can't get close enough, so you're going to have to take that leap of faith and get on the platform so we can take you down. So here's your confidence you have confidence in the platform, you know it can save you, but you have a problem of letting go. You see, The antithesis of faith is not doubt. People often think that. They think, well, the opposite of faith is doubt. Not really. For me, the opposite of faith is fear. Because you see, doubt is is an uncertainty. Doubt is a mind thing. Faith is a heart issue. So when I'm looking at this concept of doubt and I'm looking at the concept of fear, The opposite of faith is not doubt. And and by the way, don't let anyone get to you to say, if you have any doubts, you're not a believer. Do you know that faith and doubt can coexist? Sometimes as Christians, if we don't sit down and take the time to allow our doubts to settle in and confront them, we can do some really squirrely things. Things in the name of Christianity. So, if, if you, and I feel like I'm saying something here to some people this morning because you have been wrestling with your doubts. And because you have had doubts, you feel like that you're really not a believer and you almost feel like you're betraying God and you're feeling guilty over this because you have doubts. Confront your doubts. That's part of our live it out application this morning. Let those doubts settle in, deal with them, open up this book and see what it has to say about the things that you're doubting because all that is is uncertainty. But fear is a heart issue and fear simply means that you're afraid. How do we mix doubt and fear? Well, some of you know that I've been involved in sports most of my life. I enjoy sports. It's, been, it's, a, it's a fun time for me. It's been restric- restricted somewhat a little bit, but we have some people that like to run. Now, I'm not going to ask Bert to demonstrate his running style for us this morning, but we've got some people in our congregation that like to run. They run marathons, and they run this, and they run that, and they, you know, they, and, and I've been thinking about that. Do I want to run? See, I have doubts. I I doubt if I could complete it. And I have some fears. I'm afraid I'm going to hurt something. I'm afraid I'm going to hurt something. Do you see? But but I have faith for my day-to-day activities. But when it comes to running a marathon, I've got some doubts and I've got some fears and that doesn't make me a bad person, that makes me a sensible person. Don't get out there and start on a marathon when you haven't practiced and worked up and, and built up your, your energy and so it's okay for those doubts and those fears to coexist, but if I allow those doubts and fears to say, well, you're not much of a man, now I've got a problem. So we we come to this application when we talk about faith. A faith that has not been tested cannot be trusted. You say, well, I just really want God to give me a whole bunch of faith. What have you done with the faith He's given to you? I really, Pastor Don, if God just give me the faith, I'd just go out and do all kind of great and mighty things. Probably not. Because what have we done with that? Remember, we have little faith. We've all been given a measure of faith. In fact, that's how we have come to Jesus in our relationship. For by grace are we saved, what? Through faith. So we all here have had enough faith to accept Christ as our Savior. But we, we need more faith, and we need stronger faith. Because the, to me, there's basically three areas. We have what, what, what I call little faith that's, that's helping our unbelief and, and bringing us to Christ. And then we've got a reaching faith. That's where, remember the story of the woman with the issue of blood. And, and, and she's crawling on her hands and knees, and Jesus is there. And she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I've got faith if I can reach. And if I can touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. That's a reaching faith. Then it's what I call a resting faith, a resting faith is God's in control. God is in control. And I'm going I'm to follow Him, I'm going to serve Him, I'm going to be obedient. But a faith that has not been tested cannot be trusted. Secondly, faith will take us beyond reason. John chapter 14, verse 13 and 14 says, and I will do whatever you ask in My name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask Me for anything in My name and I will do it. This is usually where faith and reason go separate ways because we're looking to ask and yet it just doesn't make sense and faith goes one way and reason goes the other and, and again. Let's not throw these things out. The the terminology, don't throw out faith and don't throw out doubt and don't throw out fear and don't throw out reason. They all have a purpose. They all have a place in working out in our lives and there's nothing wrong with reason. If I were to be in my kitchen to pull open the, the drawer in the kitchen, there's a can opener. Reason tells me that I use that to open a can. Reason doesn't tell me that I use that to pry off a cement block. See, reason is a part of our understanding as doubt is a part and fear is a part, but but when it all comes and shakes down, faith is what comes out on top. Faith is the thing that keeps us moving. So this is usually where we become susceptible to unbelief. And I'm not going to camp here very long, but I just want to touch on something with you today. What do we do with unbelief? Unbelief is not just a mental attitude. Unbelief is not simply believing in a wrong premise. It's not saying that there's a moral absolute and it's wrong, so I'm not going to believe it. Unbelief is not a failure to grasp truth. That's not unbelief. It's not based on a logical premise. But unbelief, unbelief is a moral sin. And it's something we can ask God to forgive us of. Thomas, when he was talking, he said, said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I've still got some places to go and, and, and we're sitting here today and some of you are still in that doubt category and you're in that fear category and you're in that reason category and, 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 and it, just, it doesn't make sense, it doesn't stand to reason, it, it doesn't and so I'm not going to believe it. But remember we, that, that component we had a while ago on agreement, if it says it, I believe it even though it doesn't make sense because there's times in our life where God will require us to exercise our faith even when it doesn't make sense. And for those of you who are logic thinkers, that will drive you up a wall because you will hear God say you to, for you to do something or give you a direction to go and you will lay awake all night trying to figure out the logic behind it and the reason behind it and you never get an answer. Because God very seldom tells us the whys. If He did, we probably wouldn't need as much faith. But He does tell us things like, I will be with you always. I will never leave you or forsake you. Cast your cares on me because I care for you. He does tell us those things. So when we're looking at this this thing of faith, Faith will take us beyond reason. And here's the neat thing about it, faith does not demand details. When God says it, we just do it. Faith does not demand details. Now, let me go back just a a bit before I'm about to wrap up here. I want to go back to the know thing. Faith depends on knowing. Who and what we believe. That word know is not an intellectual knowledge, it is an experiential experience. You see, there are many people who know with their head but have never experienced in their heart. There are many of you, and, and, and don't feel that, that you're in the minority, you're probably in the majority. But I'm standing here today, and I'm not taking up extra time, but I'm standing here today to say to you, I'm not an apostle Paul, and I'm not a Job, but I can say to you, I know who I have believed in, and I'm persuaded he's able to keep that which I've committed unto that day. I can stand here this morning and say to you, I know I believe in God because he was with me from the time of my birth. I know that I believe in God because he was there in my high school years where I was healed from hepatitis and mononucleosis and dislocated liver and a cracked floating rib and concussions from an accident and I know I believe in God because when our first son, and you've heard me say about this with Kirby, born without that soft spot in his head, and we took him to church and we had him prayed for, we what? We were believing in faith that God was going to do something and take him back to the doctor the next week. And the doctor says, we're not going to have to do surgery. There it is on x-rays. There's the soft spot. See, I know who I believe because in raising our children and living our life from the time when my wife contacted this really weird, strange Takiasus Arteritis and going to Indiana University Hospital, and they said, the prognosis is two to three years. And I had two little guys, and you can imagine what I'm going through, and they said, the, the, the women that have this, there's a two to three year prognosis for them living, and that was in 19... 19- 83 and she's still with me today. I know God because of the times that he has been my healer and my provider and my protector. I know God because of the times that he has watched over me when I did really stupid things. I know God because he was there in the darkest hours of my life. I know, I know, I know. And it's not just head knowledge, it's experience. And that's where God wants to bring us to because, you see, the heart, the love, has such a capacity that wants to pump the faith in our life, that the faith is going to feed the hope and the hope is going to feed the heart and the heart's going to feed the faith. And God can do some great things. Number three, faith will always lead to action. A little lengthy, but it's important that we catch this. If, we, if you'll take a look with me, James chapter 2, verse 14 through 20. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. So yesterday, there were 23 churches and over 450 people. All believed they had faith and they put it to action. Faith always produces action. It always brings us to activity. By faith, Abel offered his sacrifice. By faith, Enoch was translated. By faith, Noah built an ark. By faith, Abraham began his journey. By faith, Sarah gave birth to Isaac. By faith, Abraham offered Isaac. By faith, the Red Sea opened. By faith, the walls of Jericho came down. Faith is not the ability to look far into the future. It is trusting God to take the next step. (coughs) Excuse me. Faith is not looking so far into the future. It's just trusting God to take the next step. And maybe you're here today and, and you've been selling yourself short. And you say, Pastor Don, you know, I really would like to do more. I'd like to be stronger. I'd like to experience those things that you've talked about, not just know them intellectually, but experience them. But I just feel insignificant, and, 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 and this, that's just the enemy's way of keeping you, if you will, beaten down. I'm here to tell you this morning that if you believe you're serving a God that can do all things, it's the God that's going to help you to exercise your faith, to build it up, build it up, build it up, build it up, and keep working, you'll have guns like these. Did I hear an amen poppy? Come on. Church, if Pastor Jack And his staff and his support staff did not believe that God had a plan for this church and this community. There's no need for us to be here. It's a calling. It's a calling that we've accepted. But we still believe that God is big enough to do great and mighty things. We still believe that God is big enough to give us the faith to see great and mighty things. And as I said earlier in the beginning, this is not about faith for miracles and faith for healings, and we believe in that. This is just about getting that faith started, letting that heart pump and get the faith moving. And as the faith is moving, the extremities out here are hope, their fingers and toes and arms and legs and thinking, I'm hoping the blood gets to me, I'm hoping the blood gets to me because when it does, now I can begin to be mobile and I can exercise and I can do and I can be active and it's the heart and it's the faith and it's the hope and it's the pump and it's the do and it's the trust and that's how we put together this relationship with Jesus. Throughout church history, we've seen how God has always brought balance to the body of Christ. In the early 50s, we read about the great revivals. Prior to that, the Welsh Revival and all the revivals that take place. The history of the church in general, we read about the Azusa Street Revival, we read about the great Billy Sundays and and, and we read all of these things that have taken place. There was a time that, that God brought that into play. There was a period of time where where healing was kind of on the back burner, and not a whole lot was said or preached or whatever. And and along came people like Oral Roberts and and many of those people in the fifties and 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 sixties that came around, and 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 God was was extending or expressing to His church the importance and significance of healing. And following that, in the seventies and eighties, we had what we called the the faith movement, and. As with any movement, as I said, when you take god 's plans and put them in human hands there 's always a risk there 's always a risk and we, we had the the imbalance with the balance with the out of balance we had the the, the heresy with the truth with with and, and all of this thing was trying to get sorted out and, and people were coming through this faith movement thing of believing for Cadillacs and and yachts and, and big mansions and on and on and on and on. Finally it tapered off and got leveled out and got got in kind of into a context of but God has always brought his church into places where there's been a deficiency He's brought the church into that place. And, and I feel like that part of our Rock the Lakes, part of what we're doing, part of the vision that pastor has for this church it is, is the church in general has really, has been going through a very dry time of lacking discipleship. We get them saved and then we don't know what to do understanding discipleship, understanding mentoring, understanding responsibility. That it, it, it's not us to say, well, I'm going to bring somebody on Sunday and bring them down here and let them say the sinner's prayer, and then, Pastor Jack, I'm going to hand them off to you. I'm going to go back home and eat. No. No, when we bring people to Christ and whether we're, we're witnessing to them no matter where we are, it's our responsibility to follow up on that. And I think there has been a a negligence in the body of Christ in discipleship and mentoring and God's bringing bringing us back to that. And you say, but Don, that's not as glamorous as, 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 you know, casting out demons and and sick. And I I said this just this week to a person, and we're talking about praying for people and praying for the sick. And I said, you know, if I'm praying for somebody that I don't think is a believer, I can't help but believe that God is more concerned about saving his soul from hell than he is saving his body from sickness. Sometimes we get those priority things twisted around. You say, But does that mean? No, no, no. I'm not saying we don't pray for people. I'm not saying we don't believe. I'm not saying, No. Hear me. Listen closely. Hear me. God is giving us a faith to build us and to make us strong that we can disciple, that we can mentor, that we can raise people up, that we can teach, that we can help people understand that there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the blood of Jesus. There is power in the spoken and the written Word of God. And when it all comes out to a wash, we're asking that God show us in our spirit while we cannot see with our eyes and begin a walk of obedience to His Word. Would you stand with me this morning? In your handouts, it's a very simple live it out. I went through and I read Psalm 37 a few times, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to read Psalm 37. Read it slow, read it slow, let it sink in, let it soak. Read it every day. Protection and covering and provision. Then I want you to take an opportunity to just sit down and confront your doubts and fears. And just be honest and, 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 and in your prayer time, say, God, is this really is this really something I ought to doubt? Is this something that I need to fear? Because God, I just open up and remember what Pastor Don said, I open up to the page and I believe it because it says right here, perfect love has cast out all fear. So God, why am I fearing that? I don't have to fear that. Your love casts that out. So sit down for a few moments and confront your doubts and fears. And then no matter how small, no matter how small, I challenge you to take one step of faith this week. Just one step. For some of you, that's simply going to just let somebody know that you're a believer. For some of you, it's going to take on many shapes and, and different looks, but, but just one small step of faith and let that begin to build, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Father, we thank You this morning. And Father, we hope and we have prayed that You have helped us to give insight and to share and to open our hearts to understand this concept of faith, that it goes beyond all of those things that we have seen demonstrated and applauded and lifted up and exalted. And sometimes You don't even get the glory for that, but Father, we're talking about these that this faith, hope, and love that you're, you're wanting to develop and incorporate into our life today as we become a follower of Jesus, as we develop that relationship with you. Build our faith. Build our faith as we confront our doubts and as we destroy our fears, that we become men and women that will serve you faithfully in the days to come. And we give you thanks and praise in your name, amen. Amen. Have a blessed day. God bless you.